Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. Hey everyone, what is going on? It is Brian. We're back for another episode. Uh, I know it's been a hot minute since the last episode. I think it's been about a week or so, which I know is a little less than normal. Uh, However, uh, we have been putting something together that has been very kind of time uh, sensitive, and that's trying to help deal with a lot of the uh, flood issues that have occurred from the big winter storm uh, in the Midwest and Texas, some of the surrounding areas. And uh, we just kind of felt the need that we had to try to do something for that. And in doing so, my time got a little diverted from normal recording. So I hope that you guys uh, could could give me a little forgiveness on that piece. But I want to talk to you about what we're doing uh, because I think it's super important and it could be very, very helpful for a lot of people. And you know, the thing is when there's when there's a natural disaster, like I don't know if you feel like this, like I felt like this a lot when things happen, you feel like there's nothing that you can do, right? Uh, you know, you can donate and that's great, right? And, and you should do that if you can, but we feel like that that's the extent of what we can do. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just feel like you wish you could have done some more, you know what I mean? And so when I saw what was going on with the storms and then the resulting issues from that, so basically, you know, we've all heard these massive winter storms. What was happening is that the power was going out in a lot of places. And then as a result of that, there were pipe leaks in so many homes. I mean, like millions of people were impacted by this, right? And when there are pipe leaks, there's massive water events. When there's massive water events, all of a sudden you're dealing with mold and bacteria issues. And man, that's my wheelhouse, guys. And so I was thinking, I was like, you know what? This is actually something that we can do. This is, this is a place that we could have a real impact and try to help some people outside of you know what we might normally feel like that we can do, which is a donation, which again is amazing if you can do that. Um, you know, we're, and we're looking to do some of that too. But uh, with all that in mind, we're thinking like, okay, how can, we, how can we help people? Because what's gonna happen is you're gonna have all of these houses that were impacted by water events, right? And, and you know, the thing is, is that a disaster like this, like when you have big water events, it doesn't have to be a, a big natural disaster. It could literally be a pipe leak in a house. Like if you go back and listen to episode one of this podcast, I explained my kind of how I got into this and my whole story. And, uh, you know, it was from a pipe leak in a ceiling that came down on me. Like it's exactly what happened. It's no different than what's happening on all these other houses um, across the country. It's just for a different reason, maybe. Right. And so, you know, when, when you're dealing with a big water event like that, you have to handle things the right way. And if we don't, what is going to happen is that we're going to end up with millions of homes across the country that become sick. And these homes are now going to support and facilitate and create chronic health conditions literally for the next 50 plus years. All right. Cause you're going to have homes that are super water damaged. They're going to create mold and bacteria issues and all these things that go on. And then as a result of that, people are going to be living in those homes. And the remediation that comes in is going to be so fast and so half-assed 
because there's so many places that have been impacted. They're gonna come in, they're just gonna try to rip out wet drywall or wet cabinets, put everything back together and leave. And that's what they're gonna try to do. And they're not gonna understand the full impact of where the water's impacted. The remediation isn't gonna happen properly. And we're not gonna understand how that's impacted the rest of your home as a living system. And people are gonna get sick. And this is gonna happen. It happens after hurricanes and it happens after big natural water disasters. And we've seen it happen time and time again. And I don't want that to happen this time. You know, I'm realistic. I know that my voice is only so big, but what we're trying to do is create an education event that is completely geared around what you do when there's a big scale water issue that happens in your house. Again, it does not have to be a natural disaster, okay? It can be pipe leaks, it can be dishwasher floods, it can be your shower had a problem, your toilet flooded. Like these are water events that occurred that can move to different areas. It's all the same thing. It's just the extent of like how big it was, right? But you handle all of them in a very similar way. And so I've had a lot of conversations with clients about, okay, so the first thing you do is this. And then after that, you do this. And I've done all of these in like one-on-one conversations with people. But because this event is so widespread, there's such a consistency across the country about what's going on. We felt that this was a really cool opportunity for us to create a mass scale training program completely free for anyone who wants to attend, right? It doesn't matter if you live in Texas and you were directly impacted or you live in California like I was and you heard about the winter storms, but unless you were actually looking at videos and watching stuff online, you didn't really grasp the full concept of it because it's still 65 degrees and sunny, right? And so it doesn't matter. You could be the person in California who, guess what guys, you're gonna have a water event at some point in your life. It's gonna happen. Your dishwasher's gonna leak. There's gonna be a leak from a toilet. A pipe is gonna burst. This stuff happens in every single house. It doesn't matter where you live. So we wanted to create an event that was focused all around that specific topic, right? There's so many things we could talk about about mold. We talk about so much of it on this podcast all the time, Um, but we wanted this event to be that specific. So we did as we called the event after the storm, a mold finder's guide to insurance and restoration. The whole point of the event is to help us understand what we do when there's a large scale water event, when it impacts our house, what you do first, what you do second, how you navigate your insurance company to maximize your insurance claims. Here's the thing guys, is that you know how many millions of insurance claims there are that are gonna be submitted off of this? Like they don't want to pay you. They don't, that's their job. They don't wanna pay you. So you really have to have your, your, you know, your shit together if you're gonna, excuse me, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a chance at getting your maximum exposure. So that's what we built this whole thing around. Uh, there's three sessions currently right now. We're hoping to get a fourth session that's a little more health focused. I'm working with some people behind the scenes to see if I could get someone to handle that one. But if not, then we've got three that are currently scheduled. Uh, first one is gonna be hosted by myself. It's about how you do a flood inspection. Um, and what you do and how you basically understand the full footprint, the full impact of a water event. It's not just where you saw the water falling out of a ceiling. It hit the ground, it spread, it moved to adjacent areas. There's a way that you go about figuring that out. And so I wanna kind of walk through that process so you guys know exactly what you need to be doing if you ever have a water event. Again, people in Texas and Oklahoma and those areas that were impacted, it's directly applicable to you right now. Other folks, bookmark this episode because you're gonna have a water event and this is gonna talk to you about, um, uh, or excuse me, not bookmark the episode. Sorry, I'm not going into all of it right now. (laughs) Um, But attend the event because that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna tell you all that stuff. You're gonna have access to it. Once you have access to it, you can have it forever. I'm not gonna take it away. Um, And it's gonna be a resource for you guys, okay? So the first uh, session is what I just described. The second session 
is being put on by uh, Corey Levy, my partner, some of you guys know, and Mike Rubino, who is uh, uh, the owner of All American Restoration. He is the uh, remediation company we refer to all of our clients across the country. So if you guys ever wanna know like, hey, is there someone in my area that does this? I always refer people to him. So uh, you guys know that. But anyways, they're putting on a session. It is completely about remediation focused stuff, right? So, and one big thing that happens with that is something called storm chasers. I'm not gonna go super high into it, but basically you have restoration companies that follow natural disasters. They get in their trucks, they follow wherever the disaster is, and then they go into people's houses and they try to do really, really quick water restoration. You can't see me, but those of you who are gonna be watching the video, I'm doing quotes right now. Um, where they're basically just trying to come in, kind of take advantage of your insurance coverage that you have, max up the bill on that insurance coverage and do a very minimal amount of work and then go on to the next place. And they're literally doing this like all the way across the country. And if you fall victim to that, it's a massive problem. They're gonna talk all about how to make sure that doesn't happen to you and what remediation should actually look like. And then the third uh, session is all about insurance. It's the framework on how you uh, navigate the insurance process from start to finish. I got uh, myself, um, uh, attorney, um, attorney, well, that's true. Attorney Anthony Dennis, <laughs> I get attorney and Anthony, they look the same. Uh, but he is a, uh, he's an attorney that specializes in like loss coverage, that sort of thing. And then PJ Harlow, some of you who may, uh, may know, uh, has been on uh, Mulfinders Radio a few episodes back. Uh, did you guys know she had like a 20 plus year background in insurance as an insurance claims adjuster? Who knew, right? Um, I knew actually, but maybe you didn't know. So we got her on too. So it's me, PJ and Anthony talking through the entire uh, process of insurance, uh, when you call them, how you present things to them, uh, the whole thing from start to finish. So if you ever want to know about how to handle an insurance claim, this is literally the blueprint on how to handle an insurance claim is we're going to give it to you guys for free in this. Okay. So anyways, uh, I wanted to walk through all of this stuff before we get into today's episode. Uh, today's episode is going to be um, some Q&A all around uh, HVAC systems, heating, air conditioning systems. I've been getting a lot of those on the text phone and the DMs. Um, but, or the mobile phone, the DMs, but I wanted to kind of preface with this. Uh, so uh, I talked a lot about it and didn't tell you where to go. So um, if you go to moldfinderscare.com, moldfinderscare.com, uh, that's where you can register for the event, completely free event, by the way. We're doing it for free as an education resource for people. Um, we are holding it as a fundraiser as well. So uh, if you are looking to donate um, and support you know, those who are having a tough time right now, uh, we did set up a GoFundMe uh, that is basically running through our company. Once the funds come in, we are going to be donating those funds directly to the chapters of the Red Cross in Texas who are dealing with this event specifically. So a lot of times people are like, oh, the Red Cross, they do whatever they want. We've got it figured out with them where the dollars that we're getting are going directly to the specific areas in Texas uh, where the problems were happening and every dollar that we raise is being put toward that. So we know that, right? We know how to submit it to them so that happens. So if you're interested in doing that, um, you can go to moldfinders care.com. There is a button in the top right corner uh, of the page that says donate. You can click that button. It opens up our GoFundMe page and you can donate there. Um, or if you just want to register for the event, you should do that. Listen guys, register for the event. Okay. Because it's a one-time thing. I'm not doing this over and over again. People who get it will have access to it. People who don't will never have access to it again. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to sell this down the road. This is going to be a product that I sell. So if you want to get in on it for free right now, this is your time to get in on it for free. Uh, those of you who listen to the podcast, I'm also going to tell those on the mold phone, this is the deal. It's going to be available for one time. Uh, it's a one-time event. If, Like I said, if you get in right now, you'll get it, okay? Um, 
but I'm not gonna send it to you if you don't register because I don't know your email to send it to you, <laughs> okay? So you have to register, even if you can't attend, I'm gonna give you access to it, the replays are gonna be there, it's gonna be there for you, but it's not gonna be something you can register for later and get it later, okay? Because this is a very valuable event. We are going to be turning this into a product down the line that we sell, it's a very flood-specific product. Um, for information. But if you guys want it and you want it now, this is your time to get it. And it's just kind of the benefit of uh, being a listener of the show and, um, and you know, also being a part of the text community and, and those different things. So I appreciate you, got you, uh, appreciate you guys supporting me. Um, I want to be able to support you guys too. Okay. So that is what we got going on. And uh, coming up next, we're going to get into some of the Q&A stuff. All right, guys. So the first question that we're going to jump to, again, we're going to do some HVAC specific questions here. Uh, this is one that came through the mold phone. Uh, the question was about uh, if there are mold problems here, I'm actually just going to read this instead of trying to, um, uh, to summarize it for you. So it says, my question, if there's a problem with the collars and supply plenum connections, uh, this means like with, with your duct work, there are like metal connectors that kind of connect it to the vents that come out of your ceiling, different um, kind of pathways throughout the run. So when they say collars and supply plenum connections, they're kind of talking about like the end of the line where the duct kind of connects to the vent that you see. That's kind of the piece they're talking about. Okay. Uh, can a regular HVAC contractor cut out mold and fix this? Most remediators don't touch HVAC issues. So here's the thing, guys, that's not an HVAC issue. That is a mold issue, okay? Um, and, and I know a lot, of, uh, a lot of remediators are like afraid to touch HVAC and a lot of HVAC contractors uh, don't really want to do remediation. And so like the, the uh, thought of this question is, is basically like, can I just have those guys cut out this wall and take it out? We have to think though, if there's a mold problem there, that is a mold remediation issue, right? If we're not containing the space properly, if we don't know how far those areas have impacted, and then even so, even if you remove drywall around a vent, I know I'm in my video right now, you can't really see a vent. There's one kind of directly above on the ceiling up here, but just imagine if you can see it up above me. <laughs> um, so if you, if you have mold that's growing in that area, and you're just going to have an HVAC contractor cut it out. They're not containing the space, which means you're now going to cross contaminate the rest of your home. You may not think it's a big deal. You know, the reality is, is that none of us know that, right? You can look at something, it can look really minimal, but there could be a very high load in terms of spore count there. Remember mold is microscopic. If we can see it, then it's probably a bigger deal than it actually, than, than you think that it really is. Okay. And this is all about the secret of how you actually do a mold inspection in person. We don't look for mold. I mean, if we see it, then that's great, but that's not what we're looking for. If you go through a house and you're only looking for mold, then you're going to miss so many hidden mold problems because most mold is hidden and most mold is so small that you can't see it. So what we look for are signs of water damage. The, what is described here, issues with the collars and the supply venoms and things like that, or, or plenums, excuse me, and the things like that, it kind of sounds like there were some gaps in the system and then maybe there was condensation that occurred around the vents. So think about it, your air conditioning vents, they're metal, right? And so if it's not sealed and insulated properly, then it has pretty significant um, changes in temperature. So temperature swings, when the air conditioning turns on, it turns cold. When it comes off, obviously the cold goes away. But if the area is not sealed off and insulated properly, then those temperature differentials are gonna get much larger. And so it's, it's the same as if you like took a cold glass of water outside on a warm day and you see like the beads kind of, you know, forming down the glass, that's called condensation. I talked about it in a previous episode um, about, you know, another inspector 
who is talking about condensation being normal water. Guys, water is water. It doesn't care. It doesn't, your drywall doesn't say, oh, this is condensation water. So this isn't mold water. Like that's not how it works. If condensation is forming for a period of time and mold grows and it's a mold problem, that's what it is. And so we have to address it as if it is a mold problem. You know what I mean? And so if you cut stuff out and you're not containing things, you're not moving things out of the room and sealing the area properly, you're just going to start moving stuff all over the place. And that's not really what we want to be doing. Right? So, you know, my answer to this is no, like this is not something that your HVAC contractor should want to be doing. Now I said at the very beginning, this is not an HVAC issue. It's a mold issue. The reason that it occurred may have been an HVAC issue, but right now it is a mold issue. Okay. So when you're talking order of events and how you handle stuff, first thing you do, you take out the air conditioning system. If it's a problem, right? I would imagine if this is going on, you're probably removing your duct work. You're doing some work with your air conditioning system. You do that, you get all that stuff out, but you're not cutting open drywall and stuff. You're just taking out the duct work. You can maybe remove the vents, that sort of thing. Um, ideally, I would be containing the space before that happens since we're seeing mold. So I would be doing that first. But then you have to think about it. You have two different companies. They have two different specialties, okay? So you don't, don't think that one is doing both. This is why they tell you that. This is why HVAC contractors don't wanna do mold and mold uh, remediators don't wanna do HVAC systems because it's not their area of expertise. So instead of trying to fit them into a hole and make somebody do both, you bring in both parties and have them do their specialty. Like that's the way that you handle this, okay? So you need to bring in a remediation company and they need to be the ones that handle uh, the actual remediation. And listen guys, it's not just as simple as cutting out drywall. There might be framing that's impacted. If that uh, air conditioning duct runs, if they're running through attics, then you might have a larger issue moving through your attic. That means that you really should be thinking about a mold inspection and an assessment and testing first and then decide what the plan of attack is gonna be, okay? So I know that we think that like we're seeing something like the end of the line, the end result, we're like, okay, this is the problem, I'm gonna fix this. But your house is a holistic living system. And if we don't think of it that way, then you can just cut out a little piece of a wall, take it out, put it back. You're, you may still have a mold problem back there. It may have fallen down more of the wall. It may have come down like down the wall this way. If there was drip lines and drip stains around an HVAC vent, imagine there's an HVAC vent where I'm drawing one with my finger on the video right here. And then uh, it's dripping down the wall, right? So what if there's more problems at the bottom of that wall? Like you don't know that, right? So you don't know how big it is and you need to treat it as if you don't know how big it is. And if you know it's a mold problem, you should be treating it like that. Now, if you don't want to, right? If, you're if the point of this question was to say, hey, I don't really wanna do this. Like, are you ask like asking me for to approve that it's okay to not do it this way? I, I can't, right? Because I don't want you to put yourself in a situation that can cause a bigger problem in terms of exposure, cross-contaminating of, thi cross of things. Listen, it may not be a big deal. And if it's not, Sorry, right? There's no way for me to know. But if it is a bigger deal, you need to treat it the right way because you could uh, be creating a larger problem um, than what you actually have going on. So I hope that that helps answer that question. But I think the big answer to this is it's not about one company that does both. These are two things that are going on. And so we need to think of it as two different things that are going on. If you think of it that way, then it's not, it's not about, well, remediators won't do this and HVAC contractors won't do this. Like that, that's not what it's about. It's remediator specialty is here. HVAC contractor specialty is here. So I'm going to use them to do what they're good at. And we're going to put a team around you of qualified people to specialize in what they do, right? Think of it like a doctor uh, having surgery, right? So you have your general, you know, your, your main doctor, right? 
who uh, who may have diagnosed that? Oh man, there's a uh, there's a problem here. Let's let's say there's a let's say we're playing Grey's Anatomy in your house right now. All right, I say this because I've watched all of the Grey's Anatomies, not because I did it originally, but because my wife and I binge stuff a lot. And then she went on a Grey's Anatomy binge, and so every time I came downstairs, there's like episodes of Grey's Anatomy on. So I feel like I know a lot about it now. So I'm gonna throw some names out there, some things. Some of you guys might not know it. <laughs> some of you might, but. You have like your, your general doctor, right? And they're, they're kind of a general. I think Meredith Grey was a general. She was just like amazing at it, right? But she wasn't the specialist. Like the shepherds were the brain surgeons, right? And you have like the, uh, the, the guys, uh, what's his name? It was the uh, Jackson. He was like a, a specialist for, I think, orthopedics and, st- uh, and stuff like that. And then you had like the pediatric specialist, which was Karev when he kind of went down that road, right? So you have all these people. They're all specialists, right? What did they do when it came time to like have brain surgery, right? So Meredith Gray realizes, oh my God, there's a brain issue going on. Does she say, okay, I'm gonna cut open the dude's head and I'm gonna do brain surgery? No, she goes to Shepard. She's like, yo, first her husband Shepard, then husband, sister Shepard down the road. Those of you who haven't watched Great Amanda, you know, it's been a long time. I don't feel like there's a spoiler alert. Shepard died, her husband died, and then his, her husband's sister shows up and she's just as genius of a brain surgeon. Who knew, it runs in the family. Okay, so does Gray, do the brain surgery yourself? No. She goes to Shepard and she's like, yo, this is what's going on. I need you to cut open this head and fix it, right? Um, she says it much more eloquently uh, than that, but that's the deal, right? So think of it that way, right? You figured out that there is an issue. Your HVAC person figured out that there's an issue because the ducts and the collars and the vents were not sealed properly. Is it now your HVAC person's job to cut that open? No, bring in the mold surgeon. Bring in the remediator to handle it, all right? So that's my, that's my um, off the top of the head analogy example. I hope that it was okay. Those of you that like Grey's Anatomy, I hope you enjoyed that. And um, also are not offended that I don't know everything off the top of my head super, super quick. Okay. So that was question one on HVAC systems. So I'm going to do another one. This one is, um, this one and the next one are kind of related. Uh, The next one is actually about an appointment I'm doing tomorrow. This one kind of ties into that. So it says, um, this one reads, hi, I listened to the new house build Uh, episode talking about having your HVACs off while work is being done, right? We talked about in that episode, just quick uh, summary. When you're having a new house built, they want to put in your air conditioning system. They want to turn it on and test it. The problem with doing that is that they're doing it when they're doing a bunch of other construction everywhere and it pulls all that crap into your HVAC system. And now before you move in, your HVAC system is filled with drywall, which by the way is a terrible inhalation thing, a terrible thing to be breathing. Um, and if there were mold issues in the house, it's now filled with mold because they're stirring that stuff all up all over the place. So uh, one of the things with that is that you don't want them turning that system on. You want that to be the last thing that happens once all the cleaning is done. So, that, so that's, what they're asking, that's what they're talking about here. So it says, um, I listened to the episode where you said, have the HVAC off while work is being done. Do I have it left off in an existing home while work is being done? Okay. So I don't know if you mean specific like mold work or if you're meaning like renovation work, but either way, the answer is yes. You don't want your systems pulling all that crap into the system, right? So uh, yeah, ideally you're sealing off those areas, you're turning it off. Now, if you're doing more just like a regular reno project, you could probably seal off one, um, one area of it and be okay maybe. Although I don't wanna say that totally because whenever you seal off a vent or a return, you're messing with the amount of air that is supposed to move through an air conditioning system. So think of it this way, like every air conditioning system, let's say it's supposed to have 10 units of air moving through it at all time. 10 units get pulled in from the returns, 
10 units get pushed out through the supplies. If you mess with that balance at all, you can actually mess up your air conditioning system. So let's say, and this happens a lot when like filters get clogged, right? So let's say your return filter is getting really clogged and you haven't changed it in like a year. And so the air coming into the unit, instead of a full 10 units of air coming into the return, let's say because the filter's really clogged, there's only like eight units of air that are actually coming in because it's just so clogged the air can't come in. It starts coming in, well, your unit is looking for the other two units or for the other two, uh, sorry, I'm using unit a lot. The HVAC system is looking for the other two units of air that it's missing because only eight units have come in from the return. So a couple things happen. One, it starts pulling harder, right? So it starts pulling harder. That starts overworking the system. Or two, it starts pulling in air from gaps and seals in the system that are getting broken and it can now start forcefully pulling in from other areas. So you don't really want to mess with the balance of the HVAC system. So ideally in a perfect world, you're not running it, right? Um, but I'm not an HVAC expert in terms of the balance and how that works. I don't know if maybe you could uh, slow down the, the output on one side, if maybe then you can seal off a return on one side. I don't know. I would talk to your HVAC contractor about that and have them uh, consult you on that. But there's a reason that you need to change your filters. And it's because if you're not changing them, you're restricting the airflow coming into the system. That can turn into mold and water issues in your system. One way that that happens is when it's looking for those extra units of air. So in that example, I said there was two more units of air that it has to find somewhere. You know one place that it can find it is uh, in, your, in your air conditioner unit, there's your coil. Your coil heats and cools all the air and there's a drip line that comes from that because condensation occurs from that process. So you're putting in hot air, or warm air that's coming over this coil, just like that glass that I talked about that you take outside. Uh, it's gonna hit a cold surface now you have warmer air hitting a cold surface. There is going to be moisture and condensation that's created. It's part of the process. So HVAC systems have a drip pan for that to go into. And then there's a line that's usually like a PVC pipe or some sort of pipe of some kind where all the water runs out of that pipe. It should be slightly slanted down so the water runs properly out. And it goes all the way outside of the house somewhere and it drips down outside of the house. And that's what happens. Well, that is an open airflow point that goes all the way to the outside. So now if you have a system that's looking for air and it's trying to find air wherever it can find it and it can't find it from the normal return because it's blocked, guess what that little PVC pipe hole is? It's imagine looking in the hole and seeing all the way out on the other end, you see daylight at the end. It's an air pathway. And so I've seen units that have actually pulled water back through that pathway because the force of air got so strong and it created a mold problem and a bacteria problem in the system because it wasn't letting water flow, okay? so. The, the answer is yeah. I mean, if you're having any sort of work done, you shouldn't be running your air conditioning systems. You shouldn't be running them. You should at least be sealing off certain areas, uh, you know, for that as well. So, you know, the thing is, if you can, if you can seal off the area where the supplies are coming out and then, uh, and then you, it's not impacting the return and the airflow coming in, that might be an option. But again, I would defer to an HVAC contractor. Why? because I'm not shepherd that does brain surgery on HVAC systems. I'm just somebody who's like a general that understands the flow of air, right? So you get the specialists out to kind of guide you on that. But um, anytime that I'm having anything like that done, I don't want to be running stuff if I can avoid it. I want to be protecting those areas if I can. If that means creating containment zones that will allow me to do that, then I would do that, right? So you don't want to have that running, whether it's just regular renovation or if it's, if it's mold remediation, then you absolutely are supposed to be sealing those areas off. Uh, you shouldn't be running that stuff. That's part of standard protocols for that. So uh, I hope that helps answer that question. And then this kind of ties into um, 
my appointment that I'm having tomorrow because it's similar. So it's another HVAC thing. Okay. So now this one, this client has a, um, they had an old furnace. They moved in this house. They've been in the house for like, I don't know, six, seven, eight months at this point. They had an old furnace. They're replacing the furnace, but they were not touching the ductwork. So today the HVAC contractors are in the house and they're taking out the old unit. We are going to be there tomorrow. And, and so I said to her, I was like, Hey, listen, uh, you know, the concern here is that if you had, if you had a mold issue in the house, which we don't know yet, we haven't done the inspection. So I don't know. Right. If the unit had become compromised at some point, it was an old unit. The house was built in 1995. I don't know how well that old system looked. Normally when we go do inspections, we open the systems. We look inside, we see what's happening in there. This is going to be brand new system. So that old, that old system is completely gone. I don't have it. Right. So, um, so I was, I was saying to her, I was like, listen, if um, I know that they're going to want to like attach it all together and start testing it right away. And, and what they, when I say test, what they want to do is they want to make sure that mechanically it's working, right? They want to put it all together, attach the ducts to the new air handler unit, turn it on, make sure the airflow is moving, make sure everything's happening. Here's the problem though, is that if the ducts had become contaminated, if there's a mold or bacteria problem or a toxin problem in the house that had worked way into the system and have been uh, distributed out throughout all the ductwork and everything, then those duct lines are going to be contaminated. What happens when you turn on an air conditioning system that's attached to duct lines? The air moves through the duct lines, through the system, and then out the other duct lines, right? So if those ducts were contaminated, then you could actually be contaminating your brand new furnace system, HVAC system that you're putting in, which guys, I mean, these things are not cheap. It's 10, 20 grand for these things, right? And so I was saying, I was like, you're at a really unique position right now that not a lot of people are in. Tell those guys not to connect the current duct lines to that unit. I, I would love for them not to be connected when we get there tomorrow because I want to test the duct lines, okay? The cool thing is, we don't need to test the unit. Unit's brand new, right? So we don't have to worry about that. As long as it's never been run and it's never um, you know, been pulling air from this house into the unit, we don't really have to worry about the house having uh, cross-contaminated this machine yet, right? So um, what I asked her to do, and we'll see, hopefully she, you know, she's gonna be able to do that, is to have them kind of like put the air, the air unit where it needs to be, you know, so they could kind of get that done, but then seal off the, that unit itself and leave the ducts exposed so we could get in and actually test the interior of the duct lines and see if there's a mold issue or a mycotoxin issue or bacterial issues in the dust accumulation within those duct lines. And if there is, then we're gonna recommend that she actually replace all those duct lines and get new ducts before they connect them to the system and start running it, right? So this is, uh, this is the thing that we wanna to do to make sure that she's not basically contaminating a brand new uh, air handler unit that she just purchased, right? So this is, uh, this is a piece of, of what we talked about in our onboarding call today before we go out there tomorrow. So, you know, it seemed related because we were talking about, do you need to have your system on? Do you need to have it off, um, you know, when you're doing work? And the thing is like right now, I don't want her to turn it on yet because the history of everything that's been done in her house up until that point can still get pushed through into the unit, right? So uh, that's what we talked about for there. Um, so hopefully uh, this answered a couple of questions for you guys on HVAC systems uh, um, specifically. I've been seeing a lot of these types of questions come in. So again, we talked about um, you know, remediating uh, areas around vents where there may be mold and understanding that this is not a HVAC person's job. This is a mold remediator's job. And yes, they don't want to touch each other's work and that's fine. They don't have to. They're experts at their own thing. So bring them in and have them do their own piece. Um, we talked about uh, having your system turned off when you're doing big renovation work or mold remediation. That way you're not cross-contaminating the system with all the crap that's moving around the house. And then for those of you who are in the very unique position some point down the road of my client tomorrow, uh, if you're getting a new air handler unit and 
and you haven't tested your, your old unit or your old ducts, you have to remember this unit is a connected system, okay? You can't bring in a new unit and think that everything is clean now, okay? Because you still have all of the other duct lines that have run through. Think about your unit as the heart of your HVAC system. Well, you know when people have like clogged arteries and stuff? That's not their heart. Those are the duct lines coming out of your HVAC system, right? If you imagine that your HVAC system is the middle of your heart and all the arteries coming out are the duct lines, think of it that way. So sometimes you need to go in and clear out that the duct lines because they become so, uh, so contaminated. You have to bypass them. Uh, sorry, your arteries, you have to bypass them because they're too contaminated to work anymore, right? But if you got a new heart, put a new heart in somebody who had an artery problem, it's great. The new heart is working. The arteries are still clogged. The arteries are still a problem. It's going to be a problem, right? Same thing with your HVAC system. If the mechanical unit is the heart, all the duct runs are the arteries. If there has been a systemic problem throughout your HVAC system, everything going through that unit impacts all the duct work. So you don't want to spend the money to get a brand new air conditioning system, put it in, and then use the old ducts that are there, right? You need to test them. If you don't test them, you're kind of just asking for cross-contaminating your brand new ten dollars or $20,000 unit, all right? So um, if that's something that you don't want to do, then I would recommend uh, when you're in the process of this, either test your whole system together before you replace it, or if you're already kind of in the process of getting a new system, test the duct lines before you attach them because you don't want to kind of have that problem happen again. All right, so uh, that handles HVAC Q&A day for what I got so far. Um, there's so many things coming in, guys. I just want to say the, uh, the mold phone is so full every day now. Um, I was able to go text by text and answer people directly. Um, at the beginning, but we have hundreds and hundreds of people in this text community now, and I'm getting texts every single day, so many of them. And so what I'm really trying to do with myself and my team is to try to categorize everything that's coming through and then be able to sort of try to answer things in batches, whether it be through Instagram posts or podcasts, or when we do clubhouse rooms um, and things like that. By the way, um, oh, so, so before that, so just so you guys know, I'm trying to get to it as fast as I can. We're gonna do more of these sort of Q&A specific episodes and try to bunch like questions together um, and try to get that figured out for you. So I appreciate you guys being patient with me, but it's only me. And if you heard the story about the mole phone at the beginning, I have an X amount of time a day per an agreement I made with my wife to look at it, which was fine when there was like 30 people in there. But now that there's hundreds of them, it's just not enough time to get through it. So um, we're working to try to navigate that a little better. And then I'm gonna be using it more as a platform to share with you guys a little bit more than versus direct one-on-one -on -one question responses at this point. Um, so start keeping an eye out for that too. I'm gonna start trying to kind of schedule some things that will be specific for you guys. Um, uh, that might not be going out to other places. So that's one thing for the text community. So if you want to be in the text community, um, it's the mold phone. You could go to Instagram. Uh, the, the phone number is on my Instagram. You can text the phone number um, and, and you can get it from there. And just know that I am starting to send things just straight to the, to the mold phone community that's not going out anywhere. So um, if you want to be able to see some of that stuff, uh, then you need to be going there for that. Um, okay, one other thing real quick I want to talk about. So I've been doing these clubhouse rooms. For those of you that um, don't know what Clubhouse is, it's a new kind of social networking app. Um, it's an invite only app right now, so you may not have access when you try to get in. Uh, I did a clubhouse room spur of the moment yesterday. Um, I was in my sauna and I was like, hey, I got a half hour in the sauna. I'm gonna do a clubhouse room and do a, a Q and A in here. And I texted it out to the mold community. I didn't tell anyone else. So if you're not on the text community, then you had no idea that I was doing a free Q and A. Um, so that's, 
a reason why you should get in the text community. So again, go, go to my Instagram, it's at moldfinders. Um, get to the phone number, just text the phone number, text me anything and it'll put you in the community. And that way when I do these uh, impromptu live Q and A's, you could just get in, right? So I had a number of people that just jumped in immediately from that that would have not known otherwise. Um, anyways, it is, the, the app is new, right? So I had a lot of people respond to me and say that like they couldn't get to me in there because they needed an invite to get in and asked if I could invite them in. Um, so just so you know, like you only get so many number of invites and I've already used them. Um, you only get four invites that you could use to invite people. So they're rolling it out kind of slowly. I've already in, used my invites, um, so I can't invite anyone else in. So if you know someone that's on Clubhouse, they can invite you in. Um, if you're already there, I saw some of you uh, uh, started following me yesterday on Clubhouse. So I, I definitely saw some of you heard and came in. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of how you do it. And the cool thing is that it's kind of like, it's almost like how I talk on a podcast, except I can literally be interacting with you guys directly. So the Q and A's are cool. So instead of me reading a question here and just kind of assuming some of the in-betweens, I could read this question, like the second one that I read where they are asking, do we need to seal off the air conditioning vents while work is being done? And then I said, well, I don't really know what kind of work you're talking about. So I'm just going to assume X, Y, or Z. Well, in Clubhouse, I could just ask you, I'm like, okay, uh, okay, um, Mary, so what, uh, what kind of work are you talking about? Like, what's happening? What are you doing? And then they can respond back. It's literally like an audio, it's like a phone call, basically. It's like a group phone call. Think about it. Like, I was back, <laughs> I don't know how old everybody is. Um, I'm, uh, I'll tell you, I'm 39. Um, when I was in high school, we all had three-way phone calls and it was incredible. And then we would have somebody else three-way the other person, three-way the other person. Next thing you know, we had like 10 people on the phone and we were all talking. That's what this app does without you having to get everybody a three-way, everybody. <laughs> and, um, and I'm setting up the rooms to where when I set them up, anybody could come in. So, um, you know, if, if you want to be able to, to jump on that, I felt kind of bad. I got so many people that texted me and they were kind of like upset that I couldn't get them into the rooms. And, I'm sorry, I, I can only do what I could do, but that platform is just such an easier way for me to be able to have that kind of conversation. It's just like a free flow phone call with everybody um, where everyone could chime in too. It's not just me talking. We have the ability to all raise our hand and talk and communicate together and collaborate. It's really cool. So um, if you don't have Clubhouse, try to get on there. I'm gonna be doing those every now and then. Um, and, and eventually I'm gonna try to create my own club in there. Uh, that's like the Mole Finders Club that we could all be a part of and, and set up events around that stuff too. So if you know anyone on Clubhouse, try to get them an invite um, and then go and follow me. My handle on Clubhouse is, is Brian Carr. It's at Brian Carr. Um, and you could find me that way and then just follow me. And then there's a spot there where you can like click a button um, and, and it asks for like when you want to be notified when I'm speaking. So just tell it always, right? Otherwise it might not always tell you like when I open up a room at the, you know, at a random time. But um, for example, uh, Eve, um, who is Flavorful Fit on Instagram, if you guys have followed her or know her, um, it's Flavorful underscore Fit. Um, she has me set up as uh, she clearly follows me and whenever I do something, it just pings her right away. So as soon as I open the room, she was in there literally within two seconds. I was like, oh, Eve, what's going on? <laughs> like, I didn't even know you were gonna be here. She's like, oh yeah, I got a ping that you're in here. So I jumped right in. Uh, and so that's kind of how it works. It's pretty cool. So if you guys aren't on Clubhouse, I would check it out. Um, and, uh, and see if you can get an invite in uh, from someone. I'm not sure how the invite system is gonna work moving forward, but if you know anyone who's on it and see if they'll invite you, all right? And I think that's kind of all the updates I have. I'm gonna close with one more thing today. Remember, we started at the top of the show. We're talking about the fundraising education event that we're doing. Um, it is on this Thursday. I actually didn't tell you when it was before, so I hope you listened through the whole episode. It is on Thursday. Um, we're currently setting it 
around 12.30 Pacific time. I may fluctuate that time just a little bit depending honestly on my baby's nap schedule. Or not baby, she's not even a baby anymore. She's like two and a few months old. On my daughter's uh, nap schedule to make sure that I'm available to handle her when she wakes up. But um, it's going to be going on there. It'll probably be somewhere around three hours or so once I put it together. Um, but again, it's on March 4th. Right now it's about 12.30 Pacific. So go register as moldfinderscare.com. Once I have everything figured out and exactly how we're going to distribute it and how people are going to be able to see it, um, I'm going to email everybody who registered. So if you didn't register, you're not getting the notifications. If you didn't register, you're not going to get the understanding of how to actually get access to this stuff down the road. And then when I come out and I'm selling it and you're like, oh man, Brian, I saw that you did this. Can you give it to me? I'm going to say no because I gave you the opportunity to do it right now, right? So I am going to sell this thing later on down the road because it's just so much good information and I think it's it's valuable and, and I think that it's worth it, right? So there's a lot of stuff I give away for free. Um, there are some things that are put together in more program form that, that uh, you know, has a value to it. So I'm going to be doing that. This is, this, this is the warning that that's going to be happening down the road. So if you guys want access to it, uh, moldfinderscare.com. Go register now. Uh, anyone who, who is in on the event, I'm just going to give access to it um, uh, once I get it kind of all posted in the replays and everything put together. So that is what I got for you guys today. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out, listening, uh, and I will talk to you next time. So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 